Welcome to the Winning with Shopify podcast. This is the podcast to help you scale your Shopify store into a money-making machine. This podcast is brought to you by Yotpo, the leading e-commerce marketing platform. Engage more with your customers through loyalty, SMS marketing, reviews, and more. All Winning with Shopify listeners can receive 30 days of text messages from Yotpo SMS Bump for free. Sign up today to start driving 25 times ROI with the easiest channel you'll ever build. Your host is Nick Truman. He's a Shopify expert and the CEO of JustAskParker.com, a global specialist marketing company for Shopify owners. Nick will be sharing his knowledge and interviewing the experts to help you thrive and build a business that makes you money. For exclusive offers, bonus content, and weekly episode reminders, join our mailing list at WinningWithShopify.com. Now, sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Here's your host, Nick Truman. Hi, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Winning with Shopify podcast. For anyone that's not tuned in before, my name's Nick, and welcome to the podcast. Welcome to your first show as well, which is always a big event, I think, when you find a new podcast, and hopefully one you're going to listen to for a long time. Today's a very special episode. I know I say that probably every other week um, at the moment, but today we are having our first episode of 2022. So happy new year, everybody. Hope you've had an amazing Christmas, and I hope everybody is relaxed and focused and ready to go. This year, we're going to be focusing on quite a number of different topics, some of which I know at this stage and some of which I don't. So if you haven't hit the subscribe button yet, hit the subscribe button now. We've got some amazing guests and a few sponsors lined up as well um, over the next, uh, certainly the next three or four months. So again, first time on the show, hit the subscribe button. And once you've finished your first episode, please do leave us a little review. Today, we want to kick off the year talking about something that's quite a good topic, I think, for a January. So a lot of you will have a break over Christmas and think, do I even want to do this anymore? Some of you might be sitting there raring to get back at it. It's been a fantastic year. I can't wait to do more. And today we're going to be having a very interesting conversation with a very special guest who I'll introduce in a moment. And we're going to be talking about how to sell your Shopify store and why a business should should sell a store in the first place or why that might be an exciting thing. We're going to talk about that journey of how to get there and how to actually go through the transaction itself of actually selling that business. My guest is called Darren, and he's from an organization called Open Store. So without further ado, Darren, welcome to the show. Hey, Nick. Really excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Well, it's an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. And Darren also mentioned it's his first podcast, so we'll go easy on him for this initial episode. Um, But massively looking forward to, uh, to this conversation. Before we dive in, we ask all of our guests to give us a quick overview about yourself and about the business. So do you want to kick off telling us all about Darren and all about Open Store? Absolutely. Thanks, Nick. So my name is Darren Knoll. I lead the pricing and valuation team at OpenStore. Tell you a little bit about OpenStore. As most startups do, we started with a problem that we observed. And that is that Shopify sellers don't really have many options out there to exit and get liquidity for their business. You know, our assumption is that many uh, Shopify sellers want to run their business you know, in per- perpetuity, but many may want to do other things with their life at some point and may um, enjoy different phases of the business. And there's really just not a whole lot of options out there for those sellers when it comes time to think about moving on to something new. I mean, that's really the, the problem that we're seeking to solve today. We provide a exit for a Shopify seller. We are automatically pricing their business using an algorithm that we've developed that you know, ingest their Shopify order history, ingest their marketing data from Facebook and from Google, 
and ingest their operating expenses from their profit and loss statement to arrive at a price. And you know, we'll give them a price as frequently as they like. And when the price is right, we're ready to close and acquire that business in, in as little as a week. Wow. Okay. So I, I've sold a couple of companies over the years and I've got four questions I've written down already, some of which we'll come on to a little bit later. Let, let's start with the why. why. Why would you sell a business? And you, you, just, you just mentioned then about people sitting there thinking, this is not something I want to do forever. And I think anyone that's run a business for certainly a growing business that's hit at least sort of 10 staff and run it for three, four years, everyone will relate to that question from, from that point and beyond is, you know, every day is a challenge. Every day is a curveball. Every day is a question day of, is this really what I want to be doing in my life? So talk us through some of the whys then, you know, why would you want to sell a business, more specifically a Shopify store? Why, why would you want to go down that road? Why is that a, an interesting option? So we see sellers that have a lot of different motivations for why they want to sell their business. Some of them are interested in starting a new business. So they've, you know, gone through that early phase of finding that product market fit, kind of getting all the pieces in in place and maybe even achieving some level of scale. And they like that phase and they want to go back and do that again or do that many times. That's kind of more of the serial entrepreneur profile, which we see a lot of asking for offers. Other people may be kind of towards the end of their career, may be interested in retiring. You have some sellers that are interested in you know, going and learning something new, going back to school and using the proceeds from the exit to pay for college. So you know, there's a lot of different motivations. What we really focus on is making that offer available whenever a merchant is ready making that process really fast and easy and you know essentially free on their part just a, a five minutes to connect their accounts and and then if they choose to accept the offer and the price is right to make that closing and acquisition process really seamless we, we know that sellers care a lot about their business and we want them to know that it's going to be in good hands and we're going to take great care of it and grow it Nice, nice. I, I, I love some of the examples you've given, especially things like going back to school and learning something new. I think there's there's a phrase that I use a lot and someone commented on one of our reviews the other day saying that I use that phrase a lot saying, there's a famous saying we have here in the UK. But we, we say a lot here, you don't know what you don't know. And I think that, again, running a business and growing a business, especially in something like e-commerce, where there's like a, a million different plates spinning at any one time, and there's always a million problems challenges and opportunities and it's like trying to work out which ones to go for can be so complicated and i imagine a lot of people actually get to that point and say well based on what i've been through now i want to grow another business but there are things i know i need to learn first i'd be curious to find out if, if ever there was a way of knowing how many people sell a, a sort of small to medium-sized company and then go back to school to learn more about finance and law and then go and run another business afterwards because I've certainly noticed over the years that that is probably one of the biggest missing elements, I think, from most business owners. And I imagine that's probably even more important when, I mean, you guys, sounds like you guys are connecting some of those dots for them. But that certainly is one of the biggest things I've noticed when it comes to, you know, company or business transactions. Selling a business is that financial gap of what does this mean? Are my accounts in order, etc.? Yeah, I, I think, you know, when you start a business, you really get exposed to a broad variety of domains that you might not be exposed to if you have, you know, a typical day job where your your focus is more narrow. And I, and I see that, you know, sparking a lot of passion. People may discover something that they really enjoyed and want to go double down on. They might have, you know, learned finance or they might have learned marketing through running a store. And, you know, it's a totally reasonable path to go back to school and learn more about that and then come back and start another business doing it 10 times better. 
especially if you've got money behind you from selling the company as well. I imagine the education you can get is just find somebody that's phenomenally good at it and sort of say, how much can I pay you to show me what you know, you know, and teach me up, that sort of thing. So um, yeah, plenty, uh, plenty of good opportunities in there. Okay, so let's, let's talk a little bit about the journey of growing a business to then sell. I mentioned to you very briefly just before we hit record that I would have run my entire life differently if I had known what I know now about selling companies. And that's from experience of selling a business and afterwards looking back going, do you know what, if I knew I was going to sell that company, I would have run it completely differently. How much of a difference should it make, do you think, if your goal, let's say from inception, so the day you set your Shopify store up, if you know you're planning to sell that store one day, how much of a difference should that make to the way that you set up and also the way that you run and operate that business? Yeah, that's a really interesting question. I think that, you know, we, we tried we try to make it really, really simple and clear. And I'd be curious to hear your thoughts on how you might have run your business differently because what we tell sellers is, you know, the things that you would do to improve your business are also going to be good for us. So there's not like a secret formula to make your offer higher. If you are, you know, growing your customer base, if you are improving the efficiency of your customer acquisition, if you are improving your unit economics and, you know, reducing your operating costs by leaning on the vast array of technologies out there to support your business, those are all going to translate into a better price uh, because our, our model is looking at, you know, what, what is the future going to look like for this business? I think that's really interesting. I, I certainly think I mentioned finance already. The way I manage the books in my company now, which is a similar company to the one I sold years ago, it's different in lots of ways, but same industry, similar objective, similar service. I think certainly in terms of finances, I, I would say I've got a better grasp right now than ever on the finances of the business because I learned that when I sold a company years ago, seeing what a professional internal accountant and finance director did with my accounts and asking me questions. I mean, one of the questions they asked me was, where's the asset book? And given that we were a service-based company, we didn't really, apart from the laptops, we didn't really have any assets. So I just never made an asset book. And they're like, well, we need one. And I now understand fully why they need one. And so I think one of the things I have done very differently now is keeping a very, very acute eye on all things financial, knowing where every tax bill is going, knowing what our estimates are going to be in three years time from today, knowing what they have been down to every single business transaction, I think is, is really, really key. But one of the challenges with that, and certainly for a lot of you guys listening at home, I know from talking to lots of you and working with some of you, that a lot of you are sitting there with this sort of part-time side project Shopify store. It's a real challenge. And I've been there. It's a real challenge to keep things like accounts and stuff in order. And certainly with, you know, with a, a Shopify store and e-commerce business, knowing where your stock and stuff like that is, is even more difficult, especially if time is, is of the essence. Yeah, you know, you highlight a really great point that I think is a big differentiator for how OpenStore is approaching the acquisition process. You highlighted that it can be really challenging to keep books in order across both your you know, income statement and your um, assets and liabilities. We really try to reduce that burden by leaning on the source data of your business through that valuation and pricing process. So while, while I did mention that we would like to see your you know, most recent profit and loss statement, it doesn't need to be in perfect shape. We don't want you going out to your accountant and having it you know, audited and putting a lot of effort. Just give us the best thing you have. You know, drop it out of QuickBooks and upload that to our portal. The majority of our price is really going to be based off of 
linking to your Shopify account, ingesting that order data, you know, understanding the average order value, repeat transactions, how your customer base is growing, linking into your uh, marketing data, ingesting that, understanding the efficiency of your campaigns and how those are trending over time. We even give you the option to link your bank account via Plaid, which allows us to ingest you know, the last year of your bank transactions, and we can kind of automatically assemble a rough P&L for you if you don't have that P&L. So our entire approach to the acquisition process is around reducing that burden, reducing that barrier to entry. If you know, merchants out there are saying, you know, I'm not ready to go through an M&A process, that's going to be too much work, my books aren't in the right shape, I say, come to OpenStore, like just connect your accounts, upload what you have. We'll do the work. And then, you know, one business day, give you an offer based on what we see. Wow. I, and I think we live in such an age where that sort of thing is possible. For anyone that's ever met me or seen me on Zoom, I am slightly older than I look. So when I sold my business years ago, we didn't even have zero or QuickBooks in the same way we have today. Like accounting software didn't even link to bank accounts in the same way, let alone something like Shopify that's logging every customer, every order, every transaction, and things like, you know, just injecting Google ads data and Facebook ads data to see how effective campaigns are. We didn't have any of that back in the day, which made things a lot more, um, a lot more challenging. Yeah, certainly OpenStore sounds like a fantastic solution to do that. I guess one question people probably have about OpenStore is, could you go through that process, even if you're not planning to sell now? Could you do it just purely from a valuation point of view? Or actually, I do want to have a P&L sheet and I don't have one and I just want to get a real grasp of where things are right now. Could they go through that exercise even if they're not planning to hit the accept button today or tomorrow? Absolutely. And we we encourage that. So, you know, if you are interested in just seeing what your business would be worth to open store and, you know, maybe your books aren't in great shape and you'd kind of like to understand where you should be focusing or, you know, what the gap is if you want to try to clean them up a little bit, by all means, you know, visit our website. You can, you know, in about five minutes, request a free offer from us. And, you know, our algorithm will ingest that data. Our analyst team will perform a quick review and, and return that offer to you in the next business day. In addition, kind of a, a recent uh, launch that we launched back in uh, just December here is we're also including a valuation report along with our offer. So we can give you some historical explanations of how parts of your business are trending. And I think that could be really useful for some businesses that are looking for a little insight to performance if they don't have all their books in perfect shape. Nice. And I think, again, going back to just looking at the numbers generally for a lot of you guys, having a grasp on numbers is so important to running any business. I would say it's even more important if you're in a, I'm in what's called a service-based business. So we provide services, which means we get large chunks of money from each client for the services we provide on a monthly, quarterly, annual basis, whatever it is. Whereas you guys have got tons of transactions coming in from tons of different customers. So having a grasp on your books and also on how how profit and loss is working in real time is so important. So I'd highly recommend, again, it's a, you know, it's a no fee, no, I was gonna say no win, no fee, but that's, that's, we're not talking about law today. But yeah, no fee process to find out from OpenStore what it's worth today, find out what it's worth today, and then have that as a benchmark and go, right, let's do that again in six months to see where we are. Which leads me on to my next question. So talking about OpenStore and, and just generally business sales, business transactions, what are some of the key factors in your experience that change the price that a business is worth? It's the exact same factors that would, you know, change how the business is performing for the owner. You know, we're looking at future cash flows coming out of the business. So that's going to be 
looking how sales is trending, ideally growing, that's going to generate a, a larger future sales volume. We're looking at repeat transaction behavior. That's a really great signal of product quality and the stickiness of that product among its customer segment. We're looking at marketing efficiency. Have you found a message that really resonates with your customer base? And you know how efficiently are you building that awareness and, and capturing that demand? And then you know on the operating side, you know are you choosing the right tools that are helping you automate the important parts of your business that uh, can lean on technology, and then using people in the right situations to you know provide that high quality decisioning and and high touch experience if needed. Yeah, and I think. What I love is the very first thing you said. I mean, it all's great, but there's a really key thing I think that you said immediately, which is that all the things that change the value of the business are things that can also change how profitable the business is today. And what I love about that is that I've had people in in the past try and, and, and I myself have looked for what are the quick wins? You know, is there anything I could just do overnight that would change the value of my business or change the profit of my business. And it's, it's so rare to find those things. I, I've, I've found over the years that the things that are worth the most to a business are actually things like relationships. So if you've got a marketing agency you're working with, or you've got a web agency who's updating your site, or you've got a specific accountant you work with, the more you invest in that relationship, the more you'll get out of it. At the end of the day, you'll have more profit from whichever one of those services that you're working with. Yeah, I love the fact there isn't necessarily a silver bullet. One thing I did get, just to give a, a, a tiny little golden nugget, which unfortunately doesn't affect Shopify stores at all, but it made me a lot of money overnight, is the day I was about to sign the contracts or the legalities to sell my business back in 2013, I think it was. The day I was due to do that, my finance director said to me, go to them and say, look, I'll sign on the dotted line today if I can keep the debtors list. And the debtors list, which again doesn't affect a Shopify store, because everybody pays as they buy a product. But a debtor's list is essentially a list of anyone that owes money. So all the invoices we've raised and haven't been paid yet, which meant I kept quite a lot of money because I could still chase those people to pay me. And then the new owners were paid for any future income that came along. And it'll be the same with a Shopify store. If you're looking, not the same in terms of a debtor's list, but it will be the same in terms of looking at some of the things you've just mentioned, Darren, like lifetime value, you know, how often the customers come back and, and make repeat purchases because there's no advertising cost for a majority of those customers, yet they're still coming back and buying something. So a lot of this does come back down to a lot of the things we talk about quite a lot on the podcast, which is nice. So it comes back to things like, how do you make a product that's so good you don't even have to nudge anyone and they just come back and buy it. So that when you do nudge people to come back and buy it again, they come back in in absolute waves because everybody wants to get that product. And I think, yeah, I think lining up some of those bits like marketing campaigns, good products, good customer service, all of this stuff starts to line up to increase overall P&L, doesn't it? Absolutely. Like our model is weighing the sustainable improvements, the durable improvements that business owners are, are making to their store. You know, if you, if you are able to flip some switch and, you know, see a, a sales spike or some efficiency spike, but it's not sustained or durable, our, our model is going to detect that and, and not give you the full credit for that in the price. So the things that you would normally do to improve the economics of your business over the long term are going to translate directly into your open store price. And, and we may even give you some additional credit because if you're doing the work for us before we take it over, once we plug that business into our operating platform, we may be even able to capture greater benefits from those investments. And so we'll share some of that credit with the seller in the price. 
Nice, nice. And I, we'll come on to it in a minute, kind of what it looks like, the actual transaction bit, because I'm quite keen to, uh, to get your thoughts on that. But what, one thing I think might be useful to touch on quickly is if people go and get the free valuation today, even though if they're not looking to sell, it's just a, I just want to see what these guys think my store is worth. They go and get the free valuation today. If there were sort of three or five things you would recommend they focus on to increase that value as, as much as possible over a six or 12 month period, what would those three to five things be? We're really looking for brands that are showing traction. And given that our business is focused on acquiring Shopify merchants in the long tail, which to us is kind of that sub 10 million in annual sales, you know, we'd be expecting if they're in the early parts of that life cycle to be growing and you know, iterating on their customer acquisition, their fulfillment, speed and efficiency, etc. So, you know, the, the, the trends matter. If you are um, investing every month in improving how you acquire customers, we will t- translate that into a price that's going to show future growth once we take over. Okay, so there's a couple of metrics that I think, just, just from a marketing point of view, that I think would be interesting to share right now, just on those points. Because I think, I think, again, I think you've made some really interesting points around some of the things they should focus on. I think one thing that every Shopify store owner should know at all times is what is the acquisition cost of a sale? So one way to do that would be to divide all the transactions you've had this month divided by the amount of money you've spent on marketing. Because then you can start to work out that just, just using very, very basic numbers for a second, if you had had seven sales this month, so seven orders, and you had spent $70 to generate those seven orders, your average cost of acquiring a sale is $10. The second stat you want to then try and break that into is to then find out how much does it cost to acquire a new customer compared to an existing one. So of those seven new customers you've got, I don't know why I chose seven and not 10, um, but of those seven customers that you've now got, how many of them are new? Because obviously, if you to acquire a new customer is always going to be more expensive, or generally speaking, than an existing one. Because an existing one, you can email and they've got your products. They've essentially got a big advertising signpost to get the next product because they've got it sitting in front of them. So they, I, th- I think the second step you definitely want to look at and something we look at with all of our clients all the time, especially on things like PPC, is how much did it cost for us to acquire new customers this month? And then you can offset that with the third statistic, which is the life average lifetime value per customer. So if you can work out what it costs to acquire a new customer and then how much you're going to make lifetime out of that customer on average. So if you've got customers that have bought five or six times a year for the last four years, you can estimate they're going to continue doing that because there's no reason why they wouldn't, especially depending on what type of product you've got, et cetera. So I think... I think those are probably three very, very key statistics to look at. And am I right in saying, Darren, that if those three statistics increase, and I don't want to try and oversimplify the whole model too much because I know there's more to it than this, but if they were to increase those three um, metrics over six months, 12 months, your value is going to go up quite significantly, isn't it? That's exactly right. Cool, cool. So just to reiterate those then, so you want to find out how much it costs to acquire a sale um, of a product or have, a, have an order of a product. The second one you want to get is how much it costs to get a new customer, how much you need to spend to get each of your new customers. And then the third statistic is what is the average lifetime value per customer? And then you want to put those three metrics probably on a TV screen in your office and see how much you can increase those three metrics at all times. 
say, how much can we increase the average order value? Because then lifetime value is increased. How do we get them to buy more than once? Or if they buy twice a year, how do we increase that to four times a year? We've just doubled our revenue because now everybody's buying four products a year instead of two. And we haven't actually increased the acquisition rate of customers or the cost. So again, really, really good to keep a very, very close eye on those metrics. Yeah, and for your listeners that you know, are going through that exercise for the first time and you know, looking at their, their books and their Shopify analytics and performing those calculations, you can also come to OpenStore and, and we'll check those for you. Like I said, we have that free valuation report that we deliver with every offer. Th- those metrics are going to be highlighted as, as part of that uh, valuation report. And so you can uh, kind of get some feedback on whether you're doing that in the right way and how those metrics are trending. Well, there we go. Even better. So yeah, if you can get them from these guys, another way you could get them is, is from something like Google Analytics or within Shopify. And there's lots of good reporting apps within Shopify. But obviously getting them from these guys means a lot more than just getting them in your own internal database or your own internal reports. Because obviously, if you're looking to sell your business one day, you need to make sure that people buying it agree with those numbers and, and subscribe to, uh, to that way of thinking. That's right. Cool. So let's, let's talk as well then about how to make a store attractive for you guys or for anybody to come in and buy it. What are some of the, I know we've spoken about quite a few of the things already in terms of some of the numbers and things, but when we talk about building a brand, a brand with traction, how can our listeners today be sitting there thinking, okay, I wanna get some more traction. I wanna push the business forward. I wanna increase numbers, et cetera. What are some of the ways that they should be looking at investing their time, investing their capital at the moment to help make the business even more attractive to you guys? I think it really goes back to some of the metrics that you highlighted, any efforts that they can put into improving those metrics, whether that is, you know, refreshing products, whether that's changing the messaging within some of their marketing campaigns, perhaps trying different advertising channels to acquire new customers. Those become more efficient and ultimately are, you know, increasing that lifetime value, reducing that customer acquisition cost, or reducing some of the general overhead of operating the business. Those are all going to translate into improvements of their open store price. Nice, nice. And I think for anybody listening, is again, if this is your first time on the podcast, I highly recommend going back and checking out some of the amazing episodes we had in 2020 and 2021. I've been running the podcast since June 2020, and we've had so many guests talking about everything from building brands to selling products to how do you get a marketing campaign off the ground to how do you build your first store? How do you build a brand? We've been absolutely through the mill over the last couple of years um, with a whole range of guests as well. Some people that, for example, have sold their business already and some of the key things they did to get their business to a point of selling right the way through, as I say, to talking about brands, talking about lifetime value, some of the apps that are available to you, how to keep an eye on inventory and stock, all that sort of stuff as well. So um, make sure, uh, yeah, make sure you go back and check, um, check all of that out. So la- last couple of questions for you then, Darren. First one, let's have a look just very, very quickly at some of the, you know, we, we've spoken a bit about keeping the books in check. And apologies to our listeners in one sense, because this might get a little bit nerdy and a bit number <laughs> number focused for a minute. How much would you recommend people rely on just the data that's within um, Shopify, for example, and Google Analytics versus how much people should be using tools like QuickBooks and Xero to keep their accounts in check, especially, again, thinking forward towards selling the business? Yeah, we absolutely recommend that businesses use an accounting software to kind of bring all of the data together. If you think about the various tools that you're assembling that 
contain financial data. You have Shopify that's containing your order data. You have your Google Analytics or Facebook that contains your advertising data. You may have other uh, tools that have cost information around the products that you're selling or shipping financial data. You want to kind of bring that all into one place where you have a single pane of glass to see how your business is performing. And, and that is essentially what an accounting software is going to do for you there. It doesn't need to be real time. It can be you know, something that you do periodically, perhaps monthly. Maybe you want to do it quarterly, depending on how frequently you want to review your financials. But the financial statements that can be produced from a accounting software really are just bringing all of the data from the various tools that you're using into one place so that it can all be viewed together and you can kind of make sense of it as one picture. Yeah, definitely. And I think just, just to add on top of that as well, in terms of it giving you the one picture, things like QuickBooks and Xero, they connect to your bank account. So where Shopify might tell you how many orders you've had, your actual bank account will give you much, much more information regarding things like uh, value-added tax. Um, it'll give you more information about when tax bills are due. For example, one of the things I spend a lot of my time on in my business, we use Zero here. One thing I spend a lot of time on with Zero is dashboards. I've built my own dashboards within, well, I've got, I say I've built my, my accountant built me a dashboard, which I gave him all the metrics and said, on a daily basis, I need to see all of this stuff. And it's things like, what's my bank balance right now? What is due in the next 30 days and 90 days in terms of cash out? And I think in terms of keeping an eye on cash flow, if you can know those statistics at any one point or any one moment in time and in real time, given that transactions from the bank arrive in zero within about an hour. So as soon as Shopify or Stripe's made a payout to you or you've just clicked to refund the customer, within an hour that data starts to come into the accounting software. You've then got a much better real-time analysis of, okay, we're having a good month. It's been a good couple of weeks. Let's pump more into Google Shopping and Facebook ads because that's working for us. And then that's one way that you can actually start to generate more revenue quickly, but also doing it in a slightly more safe and secure way because you're doing it based on cash that's actually in the bank. And I think that that's such a key thing that that I've I've noticed a lot with Shopify stores that you can get it's so easy to get bogged down with things like customer service or as much as I talk about product a lot the product's pretty useless if the business can't make profit and keep itself actually running so whilst all these things are important having something that's pretty automated that as Darren says pull it all into one place I think is yeah it's certainly a, certainly a really really important part of that the financials are going to tell you where which tool you want to dive into to perform your optimization so, you know, if you're looking at your financials and you know, you're not happy with your customer acquisition cost, then that tells you, go dive into Google Analytics, go dive into Facebook ads, figure out what is working, what's not working, and there you can drive the improvements. So you can really think of your financials as kind of, you know, showing you the areas that you need to focus on, and then you can use the more specific, sharper tools to actually solve those problems. Yeah, definitely, definitely. As I say, sometimes it can sound a bit boring when you're hearing two blokes talking about numbers, but it really is important. It really is important to keep a close eye on this. And, you know, I can, I can safely say from experience that if I had this stuff in better shape in, in earlier life, I would have been much more successful and actually a lot less stressed than I have been at times. I think, you know, you, you learn as time goes on, but it's, it's very, very important to keep on top of this sort of stuff. 
next question is, how much do you guys look at things like email databases and customer databases? Like if somebody was to think, okay, I want to I boost up that value over the next year. I've got my valuation today. I want to make sure it's double or triple in a year's time. How much will you guys look then if they were to acquire lots and lots of new customers but struggle to make that second sale to them or try and build a big database by running, I don't know, a competition, for example, or working with an influencer with some sort of email capture included? How, how important are those databases to you guys? The databases are certainly a factor, but going back to one of the points I made earlier, it's really around finding solutions that are repeatable, sustainable, and you know, durable. So um, if you are able to routinely add additional customers to your database and they are you know, frequently coming in for that second, third, fourth purchase, and you can show a trend of being able to do that over time, you're going to get a lot more credit in the price that open store gives you. If you are just able to do that, you know, one time and, and the model detects that it's just kind of a spike, it's going to be mostly attributed to an anomaly because our algorithm is not going to believe that we can reliably reproduce that in the future. Yeah. And it brings it back to a question I ask a lot of the time at work. And I, the question is, what's the point? And it's not to be disheartening and say, like, oh, what's the point of it all? And let's just stop and give up. Um, it really is a question just to say, like, OK, what, what was the point of this, the purpose of this? Obviously, we mostly work in marketing, but we get a lot of scenarios where clients say, like, wow, we've had more sessions than ever on the website. Or they say, right, your conversion rates increased or wow, that campaign was a real success. And so asking the question of, you know, what was the point? Let's actually have a look at like, does that help the long-term growth of the business? Or actually, which I have seen in the past, you talk about the spike, the anomaly. I've seen businesses that have had a spike or anomaly and they've had two or three close together. So then you start to think, okay, was it an anomaly or not? And they start to hire more staff and they start to buy in more products and start to get a little bit carried away with investing all this money they've made without stopping to really analyze where did that money come from? And in one specific scenario, it was a single influencer had mentioned them on Instagram and they'd had this enormous wave of sales for three or four days. And they had then said, right, the business is up and running. Let's all go mad. Not realizing this influencer even existed or that the, not fully understanding at all what had actually happened. Or it was actually when we looked in analytics and said, you do realize an influencer mentioned you. I didn't know you're working with them. And they said, oh, we're not. And it was a completely organic, just somebody with a big following decided to share this business. And again, so dangerous in so many levels because they then were investing all this money, putting pressure on everybody to keep this performance up when actually the performance was attributed to something that was completely out of their control. And I think it's so important to make sure you have got control of things in the business, isn't it? Absolutely. You know, you sh we shouldn't be looking at anomalies as inherently bad. There are opportunities to learn about some, you know, fundamental relationship. If you see an anomaly, that is a trigger to go investigate what was the root cause there. And if you have the right tools in place, that can be an easier or more difficult um, exercise to kind of under understand fundamentally what was happening um, underneath to drive that anomaly. If you learn that the root cause is something that you can control or that you can invest in taking control of. For example, in the, in the influencer case, you know, perhaps that's a really good channel 
to be creating awareness and, and driving customers and you want to invest in an influencer platform or partner with an influencer that can repeatedly do that. I'm not saying that's the right choice for all businesses, but that could be a path forward. But the key piece is that the outcome needs to be something that you've integrated into your business that can sustainably reproduce that result over the long term. Nice, nice. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And I think, yeah, I don't mean to make the anomaly sound so uh, so negative. They, they can actually be, in, another word to use would be springboard. Sometimes you can find that an influencer or something happens or, a, you know, you guys just happen to jump on your SEO rankings for a couple of days to number one and then back down. Well, that's actually a springboard. That's an opportunity to say, right, Google is willing to rank us at number one, or actually there is an opportunity within influencer marketing to, uh, to, get, to uh, get to where we want to be in the long run. So we should invest more time in it. We should do some more tests and see if they yield similar results for sure. Cool. So let's come down to the final piece of the puzzle then. A lot of business owners, and I am absolutely guilty of this and always have been, business owners get very connected to their businesses, often using the word baby. I've had, I've had people over the years say to me time and time again that their business is like another child that they have to look after as well as their actual children. Um, what happens after they sell the business to you guys or generally after a business transaction? Like, is it just completely then out of their hands? They're gone forever. Some people might want that. Some people wouldn't want that. What, what happens after they've, they've signed that contract? You guys have paid the money over and you know the, the deal is done. That's a really great question. I think highlights a key place where Open Store differentiates from a lot of other options that might be available to get liquidity. You know, first of all, Open Store buys the entire business. You know, we, we are not making an investment in the business. We're not taking some percentage of ownership. We are we are buying the entire business from the seller. Um, and they are, you know, after our transition period, uh, free to go on and pursue anything they'd like to do with their life. The second piece is that we are buying the business to hold and operate. You know, in perhaps like a private equity context, the buyer might be looking to purchase the business, hold it for a period, and then ultimately sell it. So they're always thinking about, you know, how to improve the value of the business for the sale. Our point of view is very different, where we are looking to hold and operate that business. And what that means for our incentives and how we're going to handle that business is that we care about the customers. We're going to continue investing in high product quality and a good customer experience and continue you know, refreshing those product lines to meet those consumers' needs. Cool, cool. And when you say you buy, the, you buy everything in the business, we're talking everything. Like if somebody owns a warehouse and it's full of their own stock and yeah, they own an, a separate office elsewhere, you know, and there's two or three sub-brands, I take it you guys value everything up and take the lot. We're primarily valuing the customers, so we're, we're looking at the you know future cash flows that that business is going to generate. If the business does have a warehouse footprint that is owned by the operator, we're going to look at how can we transition that to our you know warehouse and and uh, fulfillment network. Where we're not looking to buy property, we're, we're we're looking to buy strong product market fit and the investments that those owners have, have made in kind of discovering that and then transitioning that into our operating platform, which is how we're able to offer the prices that we do. 
Nice, nice. And I guess going back to the question about what happens after the business is sold, hopefully that's some good reassurance that if somebody sells their business to you guys, it's not going to fall apart. It's not going to get a bad name. If anything, it's now going to have the backbone and infrastructure that, that in a sense, it, it may deserve that the current owner might not be able to provide it with, especially in terms of things like customer service and fulfillment. That's exactly right. Once um, an owner you know, signs the, the purchase agreement, we begin what we call the absorption phase or the transition phase. Um, and that's a period of time where the business owner kind of hands off the key relationships and key knowledge about the business to our operating team so that we can you know, run that business effectively going forward. We've actually heard from some of our sellers that they actually learn a lot from us in that process. We've assembled a team of experts in operating e-commerce businesses, and those of our sellers that are interested in going and starting another company actually take away a lot of learnings on how we have implemented scalable and efficient solutions to the problems that they might have not been um, solving as effectively. Nice, nice. I think that is such a nice tie in as well. I think something we've not really spoken about at all today. But, you know, it goes without saying is there's always going to be, you know, you call it the absorption phase, where you guys absorb the business into your into your networks, etc. You know, I, I did it. I did a year and a half handover, which I can't imagine yours is quite as long as that. But yeah, a year and a half I did working for the new owners of my old company, partly because we're a service based business and we're a small company. So everything went through me. So it was a year and a half of me effectively handing over and training up other directors to take over my role. Yeah, it's very, very different in our world. We really focus on you know, giving the owner the ability to pursue what's next for them. Hmm. And so that motivates us to create a very seamless and you know, quick process, both through the pricing, closing, and absorption of the business. You know, we certainly are going to focus on the most important things and ensure that you know, we understand the business and um, have all the tools and resources we need to operate effectively going forward. But uh, we really do optimize on making it quick and painless so that we can, you know, kind of release that seller to go do what's, uh, you know, most important to them. That's why they're engaging in the process. Typically, our process in absorption is measured in weeks, certainly not, not years. Depending on the complexity of the business, you know, it could bleed into over a month. But th those are really kind of the, the edge cases. We really aim to be absorbing that business and making that final payout to the seller within weeks of, of closing. Like I said, in terms of like the technology of, of tracking figures and that sort of stuff these days, it's a, it's a different world to sort of eight, nine years ago when I was going through this process. But Darren, look, it's been great having the show today. Thank you so much for joining us. How can people reach out to you guys? Like what's the web address? Where can they get started? If they want that valuation, where do they need to go? Simply log on to your web browser and visit open.store. You'll see a button to click, get my free offer. And from there, you can, in about five minutes, link your data and upload a profit and loss statement and we'll turn around and offer the next business day. Cool, cool. Sounds good. Well, look, thanks so much for coming on the show. It's been great to have you with us today, Darren. Thanks for having me, Nick. Cool. And to everybody else listening, as always, well, I say as always, we haven't done for the last few weeks, but <laughs> as always, previous to Christmas, uh, we will be back again next week. Uh, we're trying to post every Friday. Some weeks we're a little bit delayed. Some weeks we do miss. But generally speaking, we're posting every Friday. We'll be back again next Friday with another fantastic episode for you guys. I've seen the emails going back and forth. We've got some very, very exciting guests coming on just as exciting as Open Store and many of the guests we've had last year as well. So thanks for listening to the first episode of the year. 
year back again next week and i hope you're all staying safe thanks for listening to today's podcast you can subscribe to our weekly newsletter for exclusive offers at winningwithshopify.com and don't forget to check out our facebook group by searching for winning with shopify on facebook over and out